friends. Welcome to another episode of the Radical Radiance podcast, a place where we learn how to blend what we love with the Jesus who makes us shine. I am your host, Rebecca George, and I'm so thrilled to sit down with author Cindy Beal today to talk all about the re-release of the book she wrote 10 years ago, Healing Your Marriage When Trust is Broken. This is such an important message. I loved hearing more about Cindy's story of redemption And I just know that there are women listening today who are walking through similar stories, and this book really mattered to me. It really mattered to me to have this conversation. And so I hope you will join me for that. But before we get to it, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Shine Bright Journal. The Shine Bright Journal is a free resource that you can go grab at RadicalRadiance.live that will walk you through a lot about what we talk about around here, which is how do we radiate the heart of Jesus in all that we do. So go grab it today at RadicalRadiance.live and help me welcome our new friend, Cindy Beal, to the show. Cindy, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to get to know you. Thanks for having me, Rebecca. I am thrilled to be able to chat with you. I know, this is going to be fun. So I am so excited to dig into marriage today and into your book that's re-releasing. You wrote it, what, 20 years ago? Is that right? Wrote it 10 years ago. 10 years ago. 10 years ago, and then... Our story, we've been on a journey of healing for 20 years. That's what I'm thinking of. Yes. Okay. So I'm so excited to dig into that today and just give listeners, maybe this is a good place to start, a little bit of background about your story and why you are so passionate about walking alongside couples in their own redemption story because you have one of your own, right? So let's kind of start there and then go from there. Yeah, so 20 years ago, uh, it was the fall of 2001, and my husband and I came to Life Church in Oklahoma. Yeah. And he was uh, interviewing for a role at Life Church as a worship pastor. Okay. And so he actually got the role, and he started in January of 2002. And he was leading worship, and I was singing with him because that's what we had always done. Mm-hmm. And six weeks on the job, February the 19th, 2002, he comes home and he says, We need to talk. And nobody ever wants to hear that phrase. And so I knew something was wrong. And so he sat me down and just went through um, the worst news that any wife or husband would want to hear is that I've been unfaithful many times, many different places. Um, I've, you know, I've stepped out and I've been with a lot of people and I pretty much am addicted to pornography. I mean, he didn't say that the pornography part at the beginning, because at first I was like, what? Yeah. And then, you know, you go through these questions like, am I not pretty enough? And all these things, Absolutely. what did I do wrong? And so really it, was, it wasn't like an inappropriate relationship with someone. It was basically a 20-something year addiction to pornography that actually started when he was eight with a magazine. So, wow. Um, so hearing all of that that led up to it, um, at least I recognized, okay, there's a, there's a, big issue here yes our marriage is 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 not well but my husband needs freedom and so that is his desire for freedom is actually what led him to confess um even after six weeks on the job at his new dream job yeah wow that was 20 years ago yeah i'm you know i'm thinking about the women listening right now who have their own version maybe of a similar story And maybe they're walking through that right now. And I'm wondering, as you think back on the Cindy of of 20 years ago, like what encouragement would you want to give her 
right now, if she's just really in the thick of sitting down and having a very similar conversation with her spouse. And I'm saying that because mostly women listen to this show. There's not a lot of men that listen. So that's mainly who we're talking to. Right. And so for her, well, they are missing out. I know. Right. Um, yeah, I would tell her exactly what was told to me. I would say, you don't have to decide the rest of your life today. Oh, that's good. Typically in situation. Yeah. Typically in situations like this, we as women, um, and that's what I'm just going to speak to women, honestly. So, um, we are thinking, well, I've already wasted time with my husband. Like he's already broken my trust and I don't want to waste any yeah. more time. So I got to figure this out and I got to figure out my neck. So I see that a lot in women. And so I would just always say, look, I know you don't want to be made a fool of anymore. I know you're not sure what the next step is, but look, you don't have to fear six months from now, right now. Yeah. And so that's what the biggest encouragement is just to, okay, take a deep breath. What's the next step? Like mm-hmm. what's, where are we going next? You don't have to file for divorce or yeah. go do whatever you're going to do on that day. Yeah, so. that's I could see. I could see that, that that's certainly what what I would tend to do, especially if there's a crazy circumstance in my life. I feel like I have to figure out, you know, the next what the next five years are yep. going to look like. And that's just not and I've whether it's it. our marriages or anything I've else in life. Yeah, yeah, it's we don't have to have. And that's very biblical. Right. We see in scripture like. Don't worry about tomorrow. And so, yeah, I I think that's really good advice. And I'm wondering, you know, as you think back on the last 20 years of your life, what do you know about God that you didn't know 20 years ago? Oh, man, I tell you, he's so sweet. Um, sweet. I already knew that about him, but he really is. And I think what I... I just, he's such a tender caregiver of our heart. Yeah. Um, I mean, he is the creator of the universe and he forms mountains and he fashioned the human body and he can destroy anything and just like that. But he is so tender and compassionate. Um, whether we are the recipient of pain mm-hmm. from someone else's actions or whether we cause it ourselves, because sometimes we cause it ourselves. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's been a sweet thing to see him in that light. Um, Because I've gone to him many times over 20 years and just crying and and hurting. And he's just tender and compassionate. Yeah, he is. I love that. I think we, we mentioned this at the beginning of the show, but you are re-releasing your book, healing your marriage when trust is broken you wrote this 10 years ago and what happens i think when i talk to authors who are re-releasing books one it means you wrote a really good book (laughs) and so that's that's also (laughs) evidence that this message needs to to be talked about more and i'm wondering also when people re-release books typically there's like all right i wrote what i knew 10 years ago and I've learned some stuff in 10 years. So I'm wondering, what is that for you as you have been walking down this path of of maybe, I don't know how much of it you revamped, but let's talk through that. Like, what's been new for you in these last 10 years that you felt was really important for people? Yeah, so the book has, you know, it has had some success. Um, not like New York Times bestselling author success, but like a lot of people are still buying it. It's yeah. still a very needed book for people who are, um, I call them 
couples that are in the emergency room for their uh, marriage. Yeah. It's trauma. Like, oh my gosh, we got to stop the bleeding. Um, so I, I felt like there was just, this is kind of going to be one of those timeless books for a while, I think, because unfortunately marriages continue to get, you know, they go through hard things and they, yeah. whether it's a something upon the marriage, whether it's the craziness that we've had in the last 18 months, or whether it's an action that someone, one of the spouses has done. So I wanted it to feel fresh and just honestly, like you said, to kind of revamp some things. So the book is actually the same. We didn't really change. Okay. We changed very little of the original book. But what I did is at the end of every chapter, I added a section that says 20 years later. And so, you know, when you hear a story, a story about someone and you think, gosh, I wonder how they're doing now, or I wonder what's going on in their lives Mm -hmm. now. I wanted there to be an extra layer of hope added in for when the viewer or the listener, viewer, listener, I'm messing that up, when the reader uh, who is, uh, you know, going through it, that they're like, wow, okay, so this isn't just like a two-year journey for them. Like they've been doing this for 20 years. And so I wanted that level of encouragement and also just to share some new things that God had shown me over the years. But one of the things that was really powerful um, that God really just blew my mind with is, so the the original book has a final chapter called Better Than New. Mm-hmm. And when my husband came clean and confessed, our pastor, Craig Rochelle, spoke over us to our church that we would be a church who is a hospital for Chris and Cindy to heal, and mm. we will see them be better than new. And so that was kind of, that's kind of been, been our catchphrase, yeah. you know, better than new. And so as I'm right as I'm working on like the final chapter, because my publisher is like, hey, um, put another chapter in, or my editor did, and I'm like, uh, but it's better than new. Like, what do I say next? Yeah. Still better than new. I mean, what do I do? And so what was really cool is as I was finishing off, adding to the. 20 years later, I felt like God said, talk to them as if they've never been through betrayal. Mm. And I was like, hmm. So the example there is that I will have couples or women mostly who will come to me and say after a betrayal and they'll say, man, he did this and we're really struggling and I know it's because of this. And sometimes it could be tied to whatever happened sure. years ago, but a lot of times it's just because they're married. And mm. marriage is one of the most profoundly difficult uh, relationships to be in because you're. It, there's so much friction in some of the fleshly moments Absolutely. that we have. And so I just wanted to encourage some of these couples with, you know, I want you to read this chapter as if you've never gone through this. Mm. And so it's got 20 insights 20 years later. Oh, cool. And so that's kind of how, yeah. So that's kind of the whole gist of yeah. it. And I got a brand new cover, which was, <gasps> it looks amazing, awesome. I think. So, yeah. Just a quick break in the conversation to tell you about one of our sponsors, Primally Pure. Primally Pure is a skincare brand that uses only pure ingredients that bring real 
like actual results. Cleansers, toners, body oil, natural deodorants. They've created all of the above. And right now I am loving their cleansing oil. It takes my makeup off so well, you guys. I think you would just love it. So just for the Radical Radiance community, they have created a coupon code for 10% off your first purchase site-wide. So go to the website today and use the code Rebecca10 with a capital R. So Rebecca10 at checkout. I hope you enjoy that so much. And let's get back to our conversation. That's awesome. You know, and I'm thinking about, and this is part of the title, so healing your marriage when trust is broken. When I think about trust, I think of, and I think it was Gary Chapman. This is probably Gary Chapman speak, but the whole the whole concept of emotional deposits and withdrawals, right? When, um, mm. when trust is broken, it was what he would call an emotional withdrawal. I hope that's him. People are going to, people are telling us while they're listening, like, yeah, or no, that's not Gary Chapman. I'm going to look when we get off, but I think it's Gary Chapman. <laughs> And when trust is broken and that de- emotional withdrawal takes place, it's not one-to-one, right? Like it's not one-to-one of, okay, you know, a week from now I've restored that trust and I'm back to where I used to be. That's just not how it works. And so as far as trust goes, you know, you're you're 20 years out from from this story. What have you learned about trust and how, how could you be like a big sister for a moment to our listeners who maybe their trust has been broken and they they are seeking redemption for their marriage? Um, how, how would you want to encourage them in that? Yeah. Well, I would tell them that um, your heavenly father didn't let you down. Mm. You're, a human being did. Yeah, that's but right. But your heavenly father is completely trustworthy. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 so tells us what? Trust in the Lord with all our hearts mm-hmm. and lean not on our own understanding. It doesn't say trust in your husband with all your heart or your mother or your best friend. Uh, Those are it's great to have relationships that we trust, but if our complete trust is not in our heavenly father, we'll continue to be in this, you know, cycle of disappointment because people are people and they mm-hmm. keep letting us down because there's a problem. It's called humanity. Yeah. And I would just say that just learning to trust your heavenly father as you see trust being built up. That's basically what I did with Chris. So yeah. of course he confesses all these things to me. I can't trust my husband. I'm I'm afraid if he leaves the house, what's going to happen? Yeah. But God was like, do you trust me? Mm. Do you trust me? And so I didn't see 20 years ahead in 2002, but God saw it, obviously. And he Mm. knew that I would write a book and he knew that I would, Chris and I would share our story. Um, A week and a half ago from the time of this recording, my husband preached at Life Church and shared our story to hundreds of thousands of viewers because we have 37 locations in 11 states. And then we have the church online that is for the world. So like, so many people heard about this and and I'm just telling you I I did I couldn't have seen that 20 years ago I just took the next step and said okay God I trust you yeah so that is a that was the most profound thing to go through mm-hmm. and the hardest was to to trust a God that honestly you know we can't see him yeah we can see things he does and he creates and we can experience him but like he is not a fleshly being that I can touch yeah. and so that was that was a journey, but I'm so thankful I did that because what it's done for me now is trusting God fully has allowed me to just give grace to people mm. when they fail because I want grace given to me yeah. when I fail. So yeah, but that comes from that deep well of like 
all of our trust being in the Lord, right? Not in in people. I can think back of a season of my life when I was single. It was before I got married, and I didn't get married until I was almost 27. And so I, I went through that season of like being a bridesmaid 11 million times, and I never felt like it was going to be my turn, and right. it was the worst. And I can remember in that season, the song King of My Heart came out. You remember that? The King of My Heart, he's the mountain where I run, I the do. fountain I drink from. So there's... So the the lyrics are beautiful, but then there's this bridge where over and over it says, you're never going to let me down. You're never going to let me down. And I can remember mm. sitting in church one particular morning singing that, and and I was just praying and, and just being really honest with the Lord of, of what he already knew of, like, that doesn't feel true right now because I do, sure. I do feel let down. Um, but, and then I be, just began asking myself the question, well, what about God am I not like there's something in me that doesn't truly understand his character or what am I believing about him? That's untrue. Right. Because I know theology would tell me that's not true. And I think what I was doing was I was tying my circumstances to God's goodness rather than seeing his goodness and his character and his unchanging character, despite what was going on around me. And so I just, I was thinking about that as you were talking, because I think we've all had those moments where maybe we've sung a song and we've thought like, okay, that doesn't feel true. Well, the, what about my thinking is not in alignment with his word, you know? And I think that's what I was having to kind of sort out in that season. And what about our expectations? You know, we have, you had a dream to be married by 22 or 23 sure. or whatever it was for you. And so that the lack of us seeing him as good or trustworthy was all because, well, I had an expectation. Yeah. It didn't get met. Surely God didn't let me down. You know, we, we do that a lot. I do that mm-hmm. plenty as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. So something that also happens a lot in, in these types of um, situations that we're talking about today in marriages is deception, right? And this, and this idea of deception. And so if somebody's listening today and they are maybe on the front end of this, they feel that they are being deceived in their marriage, but maybe it's not been confronted yet. They don't even know where to start. Where would you encourage them to turn? How would you encourage them to take steps forward? What does that look like? Yeah, so I was kind of actually there. So that two and a half year period that my husband was acting out and really in the throes of his sin, um, I knew something was wrong. Mm. Um, But I could have never guessed this. I kind of just chalked it up to, well, I guess this is just something married couples go through. We just go through seasons where it's not enjoyable, Um, which I know is true. There's seasons, but like for two and a half years, that's that's a long season. Yeah. And so I... I think if I had could go back, and this is one of the things I learned about my contribution to where our marriage culture was in that season, mm-hmm. is I was an enabler. Um, okay, yeah. I did not confront him. When, when things were questionable, I just let it slide. He was, and he will admit this, he was a master manipulator, mm. and he did a lot of gaslighting, which is, you know, turning the tide, switching a bit. and And so I just wish I had been able to, push through some of the difficult conversations I knew would come by bringing some things up. Um, But even before that, like I was already praying, like I was on my knees praying and, you know, I do look, I did look back and go, God, I was asking you 
for two and a half years what was going on, and this is what I get. So, I mean, I did have that moment of questioning with God. But even now, 20 years later, I can say, well, then the story would just be different. And I don't know why God tarried in answering that. I don't know. I just know that I still trust him. Yeah. And I've seen him do quite a work. So I would just say, know your boundaries. It's You're going to sacrifice as a married person regardless. Yep. I mean, it's it's not a 50-50. It is an all-in every day. This is what we do. And so sacrifice is a part of it. But also know how to set boundaries and don't be a doormat. And yeah. so that's, that's what I wish I had maybe done differently. Um, but then pray down heaven and earth for God. Yeah to open, reveal things, even if the things that are going to be revealed are painful. Yeah. And I think sometimes, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this, Cindy, I think sometimes we don't know how to get help. Um, I think sometimes maybe we have the personality where not being a doormat is easier said than done because we've been a doormat our whole lives. And so we don't know how to not be a doormat. And I just want to give freedom to anybody listening who maybe doesn't feel like they have the tools or the the ability to know how to not be a doormat that it's like so more than okay to get help. Um, it's actually the best thing that maybe you could do. Would you, would you agree? Like how do you, where do you stand on that? Like, how do you want to encourage people there? Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely want, I mean, we are daughters of the King of Kings. I mean, we are full of, we have dignity because of who we belong to. And so, um, you deserve to be treated kindly and respectfully mm-hmm. and and with dignity so yeah whatever it is you know but don't cross over to the point where it becomes this bitter root that's growing yeah. in you so the whole point would be so that for you to become this person who can actually show grace but also um know when to say okay well i'm i'm not going to allow you to treat me that way it's kind of yeah. like when you have a teenager uh, for those listening might know exactly what i'm talking about and you want them to be able to communicate with you, but the way they communicate, you know? Yeah. So like my teenager might say, well, that I, he says something. I'm like, um, okay, well, I appreciate that, but you're not ever allowed to talk to me that way. Yeah. You know, it's it, you could have said the same thing in a very respectful tone. So, um, but, and I would also say the hardest thing for me was when Chris would start turning things around because he's very quick-witted and I'm not. Um, I, I would just say... If you're in that situation, try to stick to the question. Try to stick mm. to the base. Like, go back to the original instead of following all these trails, because that's what I got suckered into. That's so. good. Yeah. Yeah, for I hope sure. that helps. No, it yeah. totally helps. It totally helps. You know, something that you talk about in the book, and we've touched on this a little bit, but I'll give you the chance to share anything more that you want, is relying on God as you pursued forgiveness, which, again, like we've said, that is a journey. It's it's a marathon, not a sprint, and you've spent 20 years walking right. through this part of your story. And so what does relying on God as you pursue forgiveness, what does that look like um, for people, and what's that look like in your own marriage? You know— Pursuing forgiveness um, is harder for some people than others. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to be someone who forgives easily. Um, I don't know why, except that when someone says, hey, man, I'm, I'm sorry I hurt you. And I'm like, okay. You yeah. know, usually. Now, I, sh- I can't say that. Like when Chris asked for forgiveness, of course, it was a little bit more in de- detail and in depth there. But at the end of the day, 
I, I knew that his actions were not a reflection of what he really wanted, like mm. his intentions. Like Chris did not, Chris did not get married to me and then go through the process and think, you know what? I cannot wait to break my wife's heart. Yeah, that was not his intention, and so. I recognize that he's a faulty human being, just like I am. And so I was able to say, okay, I know that this was a season and this is what happened. And he chose to to love himself more than me in those dark days. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I, I want to show him the grace that has been shown to me. Mm. And so I learned so much about forgiveness with God because we are funny creatures um, in that as Christ followers, we so want the grace of God. We sing about it, we pray for it, we're so thankful for it. But then the moment someone needs that from us, we have a hard time distributing it. So yeah. I don't wanna just be this dead sea of grace and not give it out and give people the benefit of the doubt, you know? Yeah. So that's along that lines with forgiveness and, and who God is to me that, I don't know, I think that that's kind of what I would sum up that area. Yeah. That's so good. Have you read the book Forgiving What You Can't Forget by Lisa Turkhurst? Oh, yes. Okay. I mean, I, I assumed, yep. but yeah. Yep. Um, yep. There's something yep. in there that she talks about. And so I've, good. It's so good. And I've heard her speak several times on that message. But one of the things that really stuck with me, and I felt like allowed, speaking of grace, allowed me to give myself gr some grace when I was forgiving others is where she talks about you know, when somebody apologizes and you say, you know, I accept your apology, that's forgiving someone for the actual offense of what happened. But what continues to happen and where I tend to not give myself grace <laughs> is um, continuing to forgive the other person for the effects of what happens after that, because the relationship doesn't yes. just immediately get restored. And that was really transformative to me. Um in that, okay, I can continue to forgive those pieces that come after, but I don't have to let it take root as bitterness in my heart because that's that's what happens a lot of times, right? We we don't continue to walk that path of forgiveness. We just let bitterness grow, or at least I do. Yes. <laughs> so that no, was so powerful true. to me. It's it is so true because like when that you you forgive them for the act, and then two days later something happens. And you're reminded, and it hurts again. Yeah, and you're thinking, "Crap." Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, can I say? You can say crap. Yeah. You're like, totally. What I thought, I I thought I I thought I forgave them, but it's these triggers, yeah. and I talk about it all through the book. Like this, these triggers that come up and remind you, and they throw you back into that unwanted circumstance, yeah. and you're like, "Well, great, I got to start all over." But no, that that's a very powerful thing to know. Okay, this is just the effects because when that pain comes, we. We've got to we've got to blame someone, yeah. right? And so we're like, Ugh. so yeah, that's tough. And I would say in those moments, pushing through the pain has got to be what we do because we often we just want to run, mm. we just want to go around the pain and ignore it. But man, if we don't go through it to the other side, we will not heal well. Yeah, yeah, that's so good, so good. So one of the questions I love asking our guests has to go or has to do with sort of the theme of our podcast. So our name's Radical Radiance, and our heart around here is really to help women see how they can radiate the heart of Jesus in their life, their work, their relationships, all the things. And so this goes back to a verse in Psalm 34. It's verse 5, and it says, Those who look to Him are radiant, and their faces are never covered in shame. 
And so the question I love asking is, Cindy, what about Jesus makes you radiant? Ooh, wow. Um, I think rep doing my best um, to represent him through my um, my shortcomings yeah. and my pain. Um, I think when, I don't know if this is exactly what you're asking, but one of the best compliments I ever receive is when someone says, I can tell Cindy Beale has been with Jesus. Yeah. Like that, that might, that's probably the best thing someone can ever say about me yeah. is she's no, she knows Jesus. She's, she's been with the father. Yeah. Like she, she knows him. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's what I would say. Yeah, that's good. And it goes back to that verse, right? Those who look to him are radiant. It has nothing to do with outer beauty. It has nothing to do with anything but looking to him and and keeping our eyes on him. So that's so good. Well, Cindy, I am so excited about the re-release of this book. I'm going to say the title of it one more time. It's Healing Your Marriage When Trust is Broken. I just am so grateful to you. You you didn't have to do this, right? You didn't have to allow God to use. He redeemed your story once, but he's continuing to redeem other stories because of your obedience. And that's just such a cool thing, such a beautiful thing. And so I'm so excited for our listeners to get their hands on the book. And I just want to say a huge thank you for your time today. Thank you. I loved our visit. I appreciate you. I hope you love that conversation with Cindy as much as I did. I hope you'll go grab a copy of Healing Your Marriage When Trust is Broken wherever you like to buy books and support Cindy today. And guys, next time we are going to be sitting down with my good friend, Jennifer Wagner. Guys, I sat down with her at a conference many, many years ago before she even signed her book deal, and I have believed in what God has done through her and how she speaks into body image for a long time, and this conversation matters a lot. So it's one that I'm really looking forward to having with you. So join me next time as we sit down with my buddy, Jennifer Wagner. I can't wait.